Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, not with the other Bond daft crew. We are of course ranking Bond, but this is the second part of the longer mid-tier ranking section and therefore there wasn't an actual introduction done because I'm doing this in the edit. So this is now going to go back into the rest of the conversation. We had a break from the announcement in 2020 uh, because of the, the pandemic lockdown. So this is us coming back from the break, going into rank more Bond. Enjoy. Right. Okay, so uh, I can't remember where we're at with the interruption there. I think, Gordon, you have just to cho- you can choose a film there if you want to not look at a film to uh, to get not locked in in the middle middle section of the list. Oh, Ron, I can't see the list. Oh, <laughs> let me think. A... I will. I, I will. See Quantum of Source, although I think I. See yeah, but have you cut out again? Said, I'll repeat myself, but... Oh, fuck's sake. Right, let me just try and move into the other window, because it was absolutely perfect earlier before I started watching the game, so... Two six. That's fine now. That's I know, I know. <laughs> well, if he was nominating Quantum of Solace, I'll do a quick one and just say it would make the middle for me. Uh, I don't know about you guys. If it, does it make a top uh, ten? I'm the same. No, it's... it's again, it's middle. It yeah. just doesn't have enough to make it top ten. It's not again. It's not a bad one. It's one of. I mean, Daniel Craig's not bad in it. It's not as by not by no means his worst. Um, but it's 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 middle. Yep. Do, do you know what's do, do you know what's so weird about this? By the way, I agree. Right. right. I think we can just let's color it red. Let's get yeah. this moving. So it's but, red. We'll talk about the order. Uh, once what's we get so going. weird about this is we actually will be able to to order them very quickly for the top ten. Maybe, maybe because because we will actually have sorted out what's in the top ten and the middle one and all one all in one go. Well, uh, the ones that made it in the top ten necessarily don't make high in the top ten, so it'll be hard. We might have all agreed that Doctor Knows in the top ten, but it might also be one of the lower ranked top tens, but it made the top ten. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I mean, we we could feasibly order the bottom ten and then order the top ten and just you know. It wouldn't take as long as we thought. Maybe. We'll see. We'll give it some due. Um, it's the order, I think, that's going to be... I think we can decide what's top 10 and what's middle 10, but yeah. it's going to be... The actual order is going to be the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll wait till you're, he's back then. I think it is me then to choose a film to... Uh, yes, it is. Oh, what's oh. going on now? Sorry, I've took the headphones out. I think I've done all I can do to... To get it working. That like is that. better. Sounding good now, yeah. Next to the window, um, can you hear me? Am I loud enough now? Absolutely. On my end. Yeah. Good, I, I moved yep. to next Sound to the window and it all, all seems good. <laughs> okay, that's good. Oh, well, if in doubt, you go next to the window. Do you know what? The, the, the old famous I'd, expression. Had, <laughs> yeah. my phone, had my phone charging from the same um, uh, extension lead? Could that have anything to do with it? Uh, I mean... Who knows? The only impact might be if your phone's on Wi-Fi, because I have to take my phone off Wi-Fi when I'm doing this podcast because it knocks me off the internet. Ah. Uh, so that's the only thing that might kind of impact. I don't. I'm, I'm not sure, but that's that's what I find I have to do. Okay, let's let's get back to this. Yeah, I'm gonna choose a film. I suspect this is gonna be not an easy one because I know people like it and want it in there in the top ten. But I'm going to nominate Octopussy. Uh, mm. So 
I am. I, mm. <laughs> I, I hear the descent. I can hear the mumbling. In the, <laughs> it's just, it's. I like it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I do think it's a good film. It's a fun film. It's got a sense of fun. It's got a sense of charm. It just came off the back of For Your Eyes Only, which kind of lacked that. Certainly, Octopussy is, uh, is is definitely got some great action scenes as well. The fight with Kamal Khan on the the airplane at the end. There's some some great spectacle there. Some good stunt work. It just has that kind of most dedicated henchman ever. Sure. I mean, I would say Jaws, let's face it, Jaws, like, swam everywhere and had all sorts of horrendous crashes and everything just to get I you... I know, but I felt as if the one in Octopussy was in love with Kamal Khan. Like, it's like he adored him or something, he would do anything for him, like, he probably didn't even get paid. Well, it was your interpretation, sure, but, um, <laughs> I mean, it's got some, it's, there's a lovely colourful film as well, but it also has some real cringe-worthy moments, and... For them, I mean, that's maybe it's been harsh. Well, that's the thing for me. Those are like it's about as far as you could take the Roger Moore campiness mm-hmm. for me, and it still be funny and acceptable. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a couple of bad lines in there, like you know we've pointed out, but none of them are anywhere near as bad as other films. So we can't, you know, we can't put them in the same bracket. But yeah, I feel like it's low ten for me. Okay, low top ten. Okay, so I mean, I'd be happy with high lower 10 if that makes sense if it yeah. was like number 11 or something i'd be fine with that well uh steve i know you love this film as well yeah for me this is i mean it's low top 10 again for me because i have it on a par if you like with goldfinger and that it's a great film ruined by one particular terrible line but there is so much i love about it. i mean the the pre-title sequence to go to octopus is so good it's probably my favorite of the potentially my favorite of the franchise okay um yeah. there's just there is so much fun the the stuff in india yes it's a little bit i mean all the stereotypes you know that's kind of on the edge of oh uh, this is not it's grown worthy it's not i know, overly I know. offensive as yeah. such but it's it's just it's fast paced it's it's got the yo-yo ripsaw it's just got loads of stuff about it that i find really exciting if, if all the Bond films were laid out in front of me and I was told to pick one to put on it is one of the first ones I think I would go for okay um, but I'd, I'd, I'd drop it several places for so I suppose the same with you with Goldfinger you Goldfinger for you would be top two or three if it wasn't for the Pussy Galore rape scene yeah. Octopus would probably be the same for me if it wasn't for that uh, to be specific the, that'll keep you in curry line which utterly utterly infuriates me and ruins it for me so it brings it down the top 10 yeah but there's enough in it for me to keep it uh okay. top 10 fair point yeah i mean as i'm hearing that i'm thinking maybe i'm being harsh on octopussy um it has also got octopussy herself as a character it's got some the other villains as well uh general orlov and, and you know it's, again it's in kamal khan there's a, a great spectacle as a spectrum of, of henchmen um yeah, I think it was maybe things like the the silliness got a bit much with the dress up, you know, the clown outfit and the gorilla suit and these kind of things that I'm like, is that is it too far? It's very it's on the line. Gordon, what about you, Octopussy? Do you feel it's in the top ten? I'm not sure. I think it's maybe pushing close. I I think it's for me is gonna end up between like ten and fifteen, personally. I feel it goes octopusy goes regularly from light to dark. You mm-hmm. get you go straight from Bond 
pulling up the lacquer star jet outside a bloody petrol station. He goes, pull her up, please. And then you've got a quite, um, quite kind of um, good time. Not the best song, but the, obviously the title sequence. And then you go to 009. I know he's dressed up as a coin, but he's getting chased by Mishka and Grishka in the forest, and it's dark and yeah. excellent John Barry music. And, you know, so it goes from that light to dark, and it does that quite a lot in the film. I think, it, as Fran said when we reviewed it, it shifts between the tones pretty well. And I think there's a lot of good characters. I think Mishka and Grishka, the two knife throwers, they're, the thing is, they're, they're twins, right? See whoever came up with the the concept of two twin henchmen a Bond film, you would say on paper that sounds really silly and daft. You would you would, would you would maybe envisage like Arnold Schwarzenegger Danny DeVito twins, but <laughs> it worked but they worked well though. They're you know they're quite they're dark characters, they're knife throws. It kind of feels like it fits into the Bond universe. Kind of and silent feel... as well, a silent henchman type. Yeah, yeah. And there's also the fact that like when Bond kills one of them, like the other one becomes like there's this whole kind of twin thing. Like where like they've got that bond kind of thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's really interesting. Yeah. And I, I think as well, the as I mentioned, it's it's actually quite a dark score. Similar to Moonraker, they're very they're generally like quite lighthearted films, uh, Moonraker especially, but we both get pretty dark scores. And I think is I think Kamal Khan's a really good villain, maybe not one of the best. I okay. think he's got some great lines in the film. Um, General Orlov's pretty pretty strong character as well, and of course, as I said before, Maud Adams is one of the top Bond girls of all time, and she's such a powerful character. She's a criminal, um, but there's just there's just great chemistry between her and Roger Moore, and you get like brilliant. The light hardness, you'd be like Q and the Union Jack balloon and all this stuff going on. There's a lot happening in Octopus. It's just as great escape as fun. So I'm sensing that I'm actually the one that's outnumbered on this one and it's free on one for getting into the top 10. Am I right in saying that? Would you all agree that this is actually a top 10 film? I think so. I don't know, actually. I mean, I think some, I haven't actually, like, in my head ranked each one. Specific. I think it might just lose out in the top ten. Can let me do it. While you are talking, I'm just trying to figure out in my head where, whether it right. was... We'll is move, a this is a close call. We'll move, it, we'll move on from Octopussy then, um, just to leave it just now. Um, Fran, you want to choose a film where, where, to see if you can get it locked in in this middle... 10? Well, I'm going to say that both of um, Timothy Dalton's should be in the top 10. Oh, well, License to Kill is, but Living Daylights as well. So you... Yep. Well, I agree with it. Um, Steve? Yep, it's it's absolutely up there in my top 10. I, I struggle to fault Timothy Dalton films in general. I, yeah. uh, I mean, License to Kill does it far above it for me, but Living Daylights, yeah. uh, the way that he was revealed that yeah, I I think it was a fantastic film. Yeah, I think Timothy Dalton's almost like the best Bond they ever had. Uh, for it me, is, but only because they did. Yeah, he only did. I think mean, if you judged every Bond on their first two films, um, I think we'd be in the same position. So it's yeah. a, it's a it's a slightly tricky one to. Yeah, I mean, I, I say Dalton's my favorite Bond because I love both of his films a lot. But I think if it's because he's got nothing to bring him down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um. Well, it's Gordon, then it's obviously the dissenter on Living Daylight, so I don't know. Living Daylights? Yeah. I don't think, no, I don't think it's a top 10. Uh, I like it a lot. I don't think it quite gets in there. I think License to Kill pips it by a position or two. 
Now I've worked all these out in my head, so just coming back to the previous, <laughs> the previous. Um, going to get mathematical. Me, Octopussy is not quite a top ten. I think it's around about eleven or twelve in my list. I think you know, Living I, Daylights. I, I, is, I could accept that. I think Living Daylights and Octopussy are like kind of. They are maybe like sort of eleven, twelve, thirteen, but they're they're not. Neither of them are quite top ten. Uh, for me, Living Daylights is top three. Um, it's uh, really high on mine. Um, so mm. it's this is tough. Right, let, well, well, why don't we compromise? We'll put Octopussy in the middle and we'll put Living Daylights in the top. Sound all right, Gordon? Yeah. Right. So we're we're gonna lock in Octopussy into this middle ten debate. Yep. Uh-huh. Right. I should be a diplomat. Uh, so the Living Daylights uh, is going into the uh, lock-in is, uh, well, to green to the top 10? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, uh, Fran, you mentioned Living Daylights. Steve, what's uh, what one you want to look at? Right, I'm going to try and lock one into the middle. Yep. Uh, throw a grenade and see what happens. Tomorrow never dies. From I, I agree. Is middling. I, I just found that I don't I mean, it's it's actually a it's a it's a decent film to watch. It's got some enjoyable moments. Um, I obviously love the power play between Bonds and the main Bond girl. Um, but I I come back every time to to Elliot Carver as a <laughs> yeah, villain yeah. and yeah. the the <laughs> ridiculous plot line. And I mean, there's maybe a slight journalistic bias going on here. I don't like to think there is, but it's maybe an unconscious bias. <laughs> but I it's it's interesting because. Is one of the ones that I think I'd, that I'd seen before the project, and I actually really enjoyed. But now seeing it in the the grand scheme of things, and seeing it as a plot compared to other films around it, it just doesn't quite do it for me. It's a little bit silly. I don't like Elliot Carver. I think it's uh, I for me this is mm-hmm. almost bang in the middle actually of my list. Okay. It's maybe slightly lower in the middle, but it's it's not top ten. It's I uh, just see. Yep. Uh, just well, just uh, going on a slight tangent, guys. A bit more of a serious note, but did you see um, Jonathan Price is in an advert now for Alzheimer's UK or whatever the one of the main Alzheimer's charities is? No. I uh, well, he, I was just thinking he's actually he's actually aged quite well. I think from that film, and you know, he actually he does. He's not putting on too much of an accent. Like I actually admire his acting in a way. Um, as that character, not one of the best Bond villains, but yeah, just I, I just noticed it the other day. Where, um, where does tomorrow never die sit with you on this? Sorry, I interrupt there. I didn't yeah, that. it's uh, no, no, no problem. Oh, buddy, um, tomorrow never dies is yeah, it's, it's middle of the road for me. I think there's characters in there that could have been better used, particularly the the henchman Henry Gupta and Stamper, notably. I think Surrender is such a great song. Uh, obviously, that was the KD Lang song, of course, which played across the end credits. It was written by David Arnold for that film, and that should... Cheryl Crow's song's good, but I think Surrender is a very, very strong Bond anthem, which... and But I do admire the way, nevertheless, it was incorporated in the score well. One of the guys is a brilliant score. I think Brosnan's great. He's self-assured. He's slick. Um, I think... As much as Carver's not the most memorable Bond villain, he sounds and looks like a megalomaniac. And is this thing, you'll notice Jonathan Price, well, a lot of the lines, it must be a deliberate thing. He sounds like he's getting out of breath, probably the way I talk a lot of the time, but he's, uh, it's like, he sounds, you just watch it again and just watch how he gets out of breath. It's like when he says, he says to all, it's like when he's briefing all his, 
local kind of media branches through the his little iPad thing. He's like, hold the press and all that. He's he's get run out of breath. So I don't know. I mean, I I, I like um I like Jonathan Price's character, but he's I can go along mostly with what you're saying. I think um yeah, I mean. There's, I like the time stakes, actually. That I think that's a very key point, which I never mentioned. I think similar to Thunderball, and actually probably more so than Thunderball, I like the fact Bond's not only, Bond's not only having to stop World War Three, but he's having to do it in a very short time scale. And he's also having you, to stop World War Three because of journalists. I don't know that. Well, that's yeah, that's getting into like what Steve said about the the plot wise. It's maybe a bit on the thin side, but. You get a real impression of time stakes. Um, you 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 feel it's a race against time because you see that all the stuff going on in the background with the MI six and the Admiralty. And interestingly, because I wrote this in my notes, right? Um, so the that I like all the bureaucracy going in the background. Now, it's that sets the tone because you have like Admiral Roebuck and M. They're Admiral Roebuck saying, "No, it's mili- it's military action. You've, there's no time for sending a spy in." M's like, "No, we need to investigate first before we send in the fleet." But that's the the guy who's kind of in charge of the MOD is going along with Roebuck. Then, um, the, they decide because they see in the news. I think I don't know. They give MI6 time to investigate, right? So that sets it up for me. Those meetings, you get a sense of a race against time, which is a key key strength. Do you know what I think is really daft, though? Do you, so do you guys remember the scene I'm talking about where, like, Roebuck and, and M are discussing whether there should be military action straight away and M saying should be investigated? Do you remember yeah, that yeah. briefing in the first quarter of the film? Yeah. And Bond comes in. Do you remember that after after he come, you see him in the, the DB5? Are you, are you with me? Vaguely, yeah. I will... Bond, Bond picks up a, pa- a copy of Carver's paper tomorrow, right? His broadsheet newspaper. On the front cover, it says, in headline, the headline is British sailors murdered. So obviously Carver's pulling the strings, though. Bond says it's too late to worry about that. He thrusts the paper down, right? So they're discussing they're discussing the MOD and the Admiralty and MI6 are discussing whether we investigate or whether we send in the fleet. And the MOD guy looks at the front page of the paper within two seconds. He says, oh, well, that settles it. It's like, when did you suddenly just trust what newspapers say? He's saying he's saying that settled it because he's seen the cover of a newspaper. I mean, so do, do you really think people in charge of the the military are just going to do things in a whim because a newspaper says? I mean, if somebody gave you a copy of the Sun, do you, Steve? You must be with me in this. Been a a journalist. I mean, do you always do you trust what is in a newspaper? That is I mean, just that. Jordan- we do live in a world where Boris Johnson is the Prime Minister and Donald Trump is the President. Now, I'm assuming that they would Boys. do exactly that. No, Wouldn't no, they? I think you need to see the scene, though. Just watch it because they're debating, right? They're debating whether they send in the military or they wait 40 hours and send in... Bond. No, I, I remember the scene. I remember the scene. I, I could totally see Donald Trump doing something like that. Yeah, like, yeah I know Donald Trump would do that, but we're not talking about Donald Trump, though not everyone's like Donald Trump. So it's just, why would they, Why would they? in a split second, it's decided to send in the, the fleet because they're going, they're just like assuming what Elliot Carver's headline is, is correct. You know, I, that, that's ludicrous. It's just quick pacing has, has cut that scene and it's they've tried to 
get the point across quickly that they've their opinions made up and it's obviously sacrifice realism in doing it. Uh yeah. It does slightly highlight the weak plot point, I think. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's yeah, I get I get that. I mean I I'm the one that had Tomorrow Never Dies in my top ten, it's ranked tenth, it is the final slot. I am willing to concede on this. Um, it's probably slightly opportunistic to try and push this one uh, through. I don't think I can, I'm going to be able to convince you. The only thing I will say is I love the action in this film. It is more action-centric, a little too much, certainly by the end of it. But that midsection with Michelle Yeoh and the, the motorbike in China, I think is fantastic. Um, the stunt work is great. And the little character interplay whilst that's going on, I loved. Um and I, I liked her character. I liked that she was kind of self, you know, she was a martial artist. She had her own Q lab, everything, you know, she was cool as hell. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like when they yeah. have, they do that in other films because they did it and you only live twice as well. It's like, it's like the Q lab, but it's, it's elsewhere. So the, the Japanese Secret Service had one. So you're right. I, I like that there's all those gadgets in this. Yeah. I, I liked Waylon as a character. I think the, the film does lose points for its, Weak villain and sorry, oh yeah, and weak plot. But um, yeah, it's uh, it it just made it into my top ten. But I can concede it. Uh, we'll lock it in then into mid, uh, ten then. Um, can I just point out one of the best lines in the film, Doctor Kaufman? He says he's telling about all the, how he's a real professional and how he's great at you know been a arranging deaths for people. He says I'm especially good at the celebrity overdose. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a nice subtle little actually. Yeah, it's a lot like. I love that. So, yeah, nice. Okay, uh, who was it that nominated that? Was that Fran? That was that was me. Was it you? Right. Okay, Gordon. What film you want to look at? Right. This is where it's starting to get tough now because some big hitters left right, to right. try and sift through to get into either the top ten or this list. Hi. So let me see. So we've got three more to go I in the top be, ten. Yeah, three more for I'd each. I'd be interested. I've said kind of all I need to say about Skyfall, but I'd be interested to hear the the opposite argument for that because to me it's it's it just beats the bottom four cut, but it's it's fairly low in the rankings for me. For me, it's not quite memorable enough. Yeah, uh, for me, Skyfall. I think I've mentioned it a few times, but it's when I think of Skyfall, I think of cinematography. I think the the look of that film is fantastic. I mentioned earlier in a previous podcast there was an arc to the character that I liked. Um, Bond has to try and find himself again, and it's they haven't done really anything like that in the entire franchise. Good. And I think that's something that should be applauded. They try and give a bit more depth. In a film that also doesn't take itself too seriously, it has little nods to the past. It's got a little more classiness. It's got a villain that's a bit more playful, but still menacing. The sort of, um, and I, I will concede on like the underground subway stuff and and the way it doesn't work and things like that. There's definitely it's not a high top ten. It is on the lower end, but it does it does make my top ten. I generally just find it a fun film, and I think when in his cause, Daniel Craig's films, the main complaint most people have, especially I think the traditional Bond fan, is that those films have lost their sense of fun, they lost their sense of charm that the Moore and the Connery era had um, and even the Brosnan era where, yeah. and I think that that film is his film that has that, and yes it's, it's sparingly still in comparison but I think it's enough for me, it's a well-rounded film that I enjoy overall 
what... I, I, I agree. I think for whatever reason, going to see Skyfall in the cinema, I went to see it in the cinema in America, and it was a very memorable experience for me, and I really loved it. I think part of it was being far away from home, because I was, I was there for quite a while that time, and all the scenes of Scotland and all that, just it, there was something magical about it. You know, yeah, there was something yeah. quite magical about that experience. Yeah, and, and um, yeah. The, the thing about Bond get him to get up to speed again, like I said, I like that. Um, I think that's a, a good until it's not. I think it's once you you see that Bond was in the first couple of Craig films, he was meant to be a a rookie almost at the beginning, just there in his double O states, and within a few years, he's suddenly this old dog learning new tricks, which. As a contradiction. I did, I, I did, I had that issue when I first watched it. I was confused as to what they were trying to do. It almost felt like they were finishing the franchise and this was going to be the last one, you know, it felt like, or maybe they'd have one more and then that would be done. This arc is done. And maybe that is, that will, Skyfall will, will make sense in that case if No Time to Die is the last of this timeline and then they reboot it again. Who knows what they do? Or, or they're, they're, they're finished with this iteration of the character. So then Skyfall will make sense that he's had a hiccup. He's had some t- a tough time. He's found himself. And then he's had a couple of not- more run-ins and he's, it's ended. If they keep going on this timeline and there's, you know, it, it looks a bit silly, then the, the Skyfall happened at the third film when he's just kind of been a, a, a kind of... He's just got his stripes by Casino Royale and suddenly he's the old dog. I get that. I did have that complaint initially, but I've accepted it now and I... I it doesn't hold it back for me to get into the top 10 enough. Steve, what about you on this one? Yeah, Skyfall's kind of, it's at the top end of my middle 10, but it's just, it's not quite top 10 for me. I did enjoy it. I loved Silver as a villain. I loved the sort of creepiness of him. But at the same time, I really didn't like the, the police chase scene. It was a bit silly. There was that terrible CGI with the tube train going through the floor. Um, it was just, it's, it's, I think it's middle for me once again it's i enjoy i absolutely enjoyed it and like i say it's it's top middle but yeah. it's just not enough to go it hasn't got enough in it for me to to make it top 10 well i feel from my position i've compromised on enough already so i'm going to stick with it being in the top 10 <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to be difficult uh, <laughs> fair enough right okay we'll move it because we'll i really we'll, love it yeah we won't um well it's not what I will say is I'm going to segue into my other not moving one which is Honor Majesties which I think deserves to be in the top 10 I'm with you on that one at least this is one I have the issue with but I think I'm the only one I think we are are we all the rest of you all adamant this is a top 10 film I think I know what your issue is with Steve mostly around the plot Blofeld Blofeld would that be the, the main plot and the sort of silly um, dated scene that we spoke about with the, the assassins but that general plot as well doesn't work and just generally Blofeld in that film specifically in the final third bobsled chase um, these kind of things and also Bond still we're meant to buy into a love story when Bond is going about sleeping with other women uh, it completely erodes that whole that love, that love story and for me, it takes me out, and I didn't then feel as much emotion as I could have by the end if if that hadn't happened. So, it's a fair yeah, but, point, the, but yeah. the emotional impact, though, I mean, that film, though, I mean, you get a very early version of Bond on an arc, 
you know, you've got the emotional impact of what happens at the end, which is an astonishing scene. Sad don't you know. feel the arc as such. Yes, there's an arc in that he wasn't in love and then he is in love. And that you see where it builds, certainly. And I think it's mostly all on Diana Rigg. I don't feel that I was getting it from him as such. Uh, well, yeah, of course. I, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was incredible. Yeah. You know, she, she's got to be if, at least 50% of the reason I liked that film or loved the film. Definitely, you know what I mean? definitely. Um, um, I, I just think Bond met his counterpart. And and yeah, there was a few hiccups along the way, but um, I just think you know, it it so it's, it, it it transcends the the franchise for me. I I mean, don't get me wrong, the things it does well, no other film is captured like that's something yeah. to be said. For I mean, it's it. magical. And, yeah, there's something about it. Uh, music is great. The stunts are fantastic, and not only the stunts are fantastic. The, the main female lead, Diana Rigg, is the main kind of leader in the scenes. She's the one that's saving Bond. She's driving the car. She's even fighting. And this is, in, what, 69? Which is incredible uh-huh. for the time. The, the film was so ahead of, 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 the, of its time. Yeah. Peter Hunt really nailed the look as well. There's, a, you know, Pia's Gloria as a setting, you know, and it's even got the little water caverns kind of bit. There's a lot that this film nails, and it, that's why it hurts so much when I also then think about the things I don't like about it because I cringe at some of that stuff. And well, I think I think if we're going to go keep Goldfinger in, despite the scene that was in that, then Aura Majesty's gets a pass. Uh, well, it's not as simple as that because that was one like, scene. I don't really. Ex- whereas I have more issues with on Her Majesty's. But look, Gordon, you're obviously the one that you're the the kind of. I'm clear on where I stand with this film, but there's two people pushing and wanting this in the top ten. What is your kind of thoughts, Gordon? Because if if you then agree with them, then I'm willing to concede. Mm, I think it's top ten, right? Maybe maybe just. Um, I totally get you the issues you have with it, Steve, especially the plot, and it's the fact that Blofeld doesn't seem to recognise Bond after the whole encounter, and you only live twice, which is kind of weird. I just think, Gordon, like you bring up Tracy all the time. She's so important to a Bond mythology. Yeah. yeah, I'm about to bring her up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I, that's I, such I, an important thing. I'm willing to concede and let this one get into the top ten on the basis of, well, my, my number tenth one, Tomorrow Never Dies, is not making it in, so there is scope for my next one up. And I'm sure Honor Majesty's is kind of like the higher part of my middle section of the list. Like, it isn't like I'm... I've got it ranked low here. I'm talking like thirteenth or something or twelfth. Like it, it is one that I struggle with because, like I said, many things I really like about this film, and it's um, it's just unfortunate that it's also got things that I cringe at. Like I really just like, ugh, that could have been so much better if they dropped this and they changed that. But like I know how much you love it, and that's why I'd be. I, I, it's your passion for it. And also Steve's as well. I know you like it, Steve. Um, well, weirdly enough, I am almost... See, I rewatched this actually last week. And I've always had it in my head as one of the top best films. And I think that may just have been based on that final scene and the whole Tracy story. I had forgotten how terrible that stupid plot about the allergy clinic on the top of the mountain was. And then obviously the scene with the foods. I know. Uh, and it did kind of make me go, oh, I don't like this film as much as I thought I did. But the reason I think I'm just keeping it top 10 is the importance of it. Yeah. I mean, it effectively is the reason why Bond is such a kind of cold-hearted bastard. It, it, 
has an impact on his life and the the whole Tracy storyline is so vital to the franchise that I think its importance has to be recognized and I'm kind of putting that slightly above how good or otherwise the film actually is. On that point, I actually would say that the franchise never used that. Like, they barely ever used it. You have to draw on that, like yourself almost interpret that as being that because he's not that. changed from before that film to after that film. Barely any change. Yes, the start, first seven minutes of Diamonds Are Forever, he looked, he's a wee bit pissed off at Blofeld for unknown reasons. It could just be that it's technically the sequel to You Only Live Twice and Blofeld got away, so he's angry about that. It never actually alludes to the death of Tracy in that film. And it's he never changes. That's the thing. that The franchise never used it. Um, and it's actually a, 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 another shame. But yeah. that's not to judge the film, I suppose. That's just the franchise in general. Where it's one of their failings is they, they missed a great opportunity. Um, the other thing, I, I, yeah, Lazenby, I think, was one of those, it's, I don't think, like, I'm not, I don't think he's fantastic in it. I think he was good, and it was something to be said for a rookie actor to be in that role. So I think he did the best he could. He had a, a kind of more ruggedness. He was he did the stunt works and, and things like that as best he could. Um, and there's the sense the sentimentality that he brings I think you could argue maybe Connery might not have had that so that's something to be said by the end for the end scene but as an actual Bond I don't really I didn't really take to him that much I don't feel I don't know something about it doesn't click for me as much I find I don't know if it's maybe I also found the film a little tedious the middle section I don't know something about it it's a bit I think if anyone had question marks over Lazenby I think it yeah, I, I mean, I would have loved to see Connery in that film, and up till recently, I didn't think Connery could really do an emotional performance. I actually saw him in The Offence for the first time last week, where <laughs> I realised he actually can, but Lazenby, if there was question marks over him, I think he really nails the the style and the traits of Bond early in that film. When, when During the actual reveal of him, he's driving the car and pursuing Tracy at the start, lighting the cigarette in the mirror, um, you then after the title sequence see him in the hotel, he orders caviar, he orders the best um Bollinger. Um great there's great scenes. He's in the casino, you know, he really nails a lot of Bond's character. I do um yeah, he's a physical threat as well, I think. Um he's still every other one liners maybe not so great. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, so where where are you sitting with this, Gordon? Is this getting in well, do you feel it's in the top ten? I do, and but and I was going to comment on Tracy, and I think she's a big reason for that. Diana Rigg is one of the top, top Bond girls, and I think when you've got a character and an actor of her quality in a film, it has to be top ten. Well, if you can say, I think there's enough there, really. I feel that she's very kind of assured, which is, and very confident and very much in control, which can be said of that many of the Bond girls. And I, I, You see her, like, when, when she helps Bond and she's driving her car. Bond's not even driving. I mean, how unusual is it for the, the female lead to be driving and Bond to be the passenger? She's like swerving all over the ice. She's causing the other villains and the other cars to crash and she's laughing while she's doing it. She's like smirking. It's like she's enjoying it. You then see her like taking on one and killing one of Bofield's guards and she's, I just feel like Tracy Bond was so vital to the franchise. The the death of her is so profound and so vital to the franchise. So I think more than anything from her character and from a story point of view, I think Honor Majesty's service is quite high in the 
the list. Okay. All right. I will concede on this one. I think I've made my points. I think all the points I kind of have against it have been made. So I'm happy to concede on this. Uh, and we will lock it into the top 10. So it's not in the mid-tier films. Um, there we go. So, uh, Fran, you kind of... I think you jumped the... Sh- Who was it that was actually meant to choose a film i think it was me was it you yeah i think it is right so you chose was it skyfall or honor majesties was it you well i well i said um about skyfall that i felt it should be and then and then i threw the honor majesties there right okay so um um, so steve hmm. then it'll be then uh so what have we got left i'm just counting as well spy who loved me moonraker of user kill and skyfall are the ones that haven't been marked yet the other one, I'm trying to think what's in my... Spy Who Loved Me. That is, again, in my middle 10. And, again, I think the reason for that is that it's one that doesn't particularly stick with me. It's yeah. another one of the ones I have to kind of go to and think, right, which one is that again? And, um, yeah, I, I'm going to try and nail that now as perhaps not being top 10. Okay. Um, I mean, every time I mention it, I have to go back to my notes to remember which one it is, and I do kind of. So this is Jaws. Jaws being the kind of main uh, right. villain. You've got yes, um, which is a Stromberg. Jaws is one of the best villains in the or henchman, whatever he is, in the entire uh, franchise, and it's his best use, obviously, because he comes back in Moonraker, and as we've established in Moonraker, he's turned into a terrible comedy character. Yeah. But as there's not enough about that film. I remember Jaws, I remember the scene at the pyramids. Um and I sort of vaguely remember a car chase, but there's not enough of that film again that comes to mind. It's just not it doesn't stick in my head enough to um kind of make any any impact on me. And that suggests to me that it's it's middle ten. Um uh, for me, this is in my top ten. It's number in the straight in the middle. Um, I, I think they had fallen short. I think that there's appreciation for this film comes from from watching the films sequentially, like through. So you've watched at this point, Live and Let Die, and The Man of the Golden Gun. You get to Spy Who Loved Me, and there's a sense of class about this film that they stripped out the seediness of the previous films the weirdness and some of the sort of surreal humor uh of live and let die as well and in any of the points where it's dated the spy who loved me doesn't really have anything of like cringeworthy sort of stuff it's just a and it's a great story as well it's got the sort of uh female russian counterpart for him um nearly just as much as his his equal in some ways which i liked you've also got the classic villain and also ken adams sets that ken adams came back for this one and the you know this the super tanker and uh strongberg's lair fantastic work there's that final battle which to me outdoes you only live twice as one uh with all the 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 troopers fighting and, and things like that explosions going off roger moore's in amongst it it's great it's classic bond but and it it, it still works for me yes it's got some of i think is it marvin hamlish's score that's the kind of the groovy bond theme which yeah. slightly dates it a little i will i don't know why i'm bringing that up because i'm trying to get it into the top 10 but um you know I, I, it's it's fun and also still i can really enjoy it i think it's moore's for me it's moore's best film and 
and it's the only one of his I have in the top 10. And yes, I mean, it's one that I, I think because it, it doesn't have a huge impact on me, I can be easily swayed on this. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem at all with this being in, being top 10. Uh, well, let's see the feelings around the room, Gordon. Yeah. You're, you're quite a fan of this one, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Spy. It's in, it was one of the first Bond films I saw. I think this is Roger's Goldfinger. If we think in terms of iconic, the big one that most people know, I would say it would be this. And I feel Moore, Moore kind of has a wink and a nod throughout this film. He's kind of cheeky, but he's very serious and cold when he needs to be. You look at the scene, for example, with Fekesh's wife in Cairo when he's like being sort of like lecherous. He wants to, he's making it, he's like, oh, He's making out, he'll, he'll make love to her, but he wants to get the information while he's there. He's like asking for Fekish is. You know, that to me, that was very kind of Fleming-esque Bond, which is one of these small things that can be overlooked. And I think there's, I love seeing as well Bond in the Navy world, because that's kind of Bond's roots. That's where he started. Yeah. So there, there's elements of the, as um kind of heightened reality as that film is, there's there's a lot of the original Fleming stuff there. I think, um I think um Kurt Jurgen's villain Stromberg can be overlooked at times. I think he's got a real presence. And I think he's got that iconic line about I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. And and having just surrounded in all this 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 big it's very original, I think, the him having this underwater base surrounded in this big aquarium. And he he presses a button to to make a a woman go falling into the shark. I mean that that obviously that's quite an iconic thing to me. You've got Naomi the helicopter pilot, you know, um, and her chemistry with Bond while she's trying to kill him. There's there's a lot of just really iconic stuff. Barbara Back is great as as Agent Triple X. It's just it's another one of these films that are, there's like not a lot of flaws really. They're they're it's kind of because one of you has mentioned there like what what would be the first film you would introduce someone to from Bond, and I think this this would be one of them. If I was to choose an older film, depending on who the person is, I'm trying to kind of convince to become a Bond fan. And it depends on what I would see as their sensibilities. If they're open to watching films from the 70s, then I would consider it uh, definitely. If I was to, to choose a Moore film, this would be hands down. This is the one I would choose. A great villain and great and even better henchman. And yeah. there's also that kind of the female uh, agent element as well. Uh, and it's it's... The writing only slightly lets it down very a couple of lines, and also the music change at one point in the, the in the desert. I remember being a bit silly, but that's like out of all the films when you've got uh, there's other films that have got major issues. Like these are tiny nitpick type <clears throat> stuff for me, yeah. and uh, this is why this film for me ranks in my top ten. Uh, Fran, what, what where are you sitting with this one? Um, I could go either way. Mm. To be perfectly honest, all right, okay. That's, I mean, I, I, <laughs> it, well, you know, I don't have strong feelings about Spy Who Loved Me. You know, it's not something that do you know, does that make sense? Like, I, I don't, I don't feel I really dislike the movie. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't like my absolute favorite. You know, it, it would occupy somewhere in the middle, probably. For me. This is is one where maybe you could say it is kind of formulate plot wise. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole thing about. There's um a submarine that's disappeared and it's just it's automatically assumed it's the Russians that did it. I mean that's kind of been done before, and the only difference is it's an under it's Stromberg's controlling things from out in the sea, and he's trying. But where it 
it's a bit of a failing is him thinking he's going to create this world under the sea. You know, how does he get to that point? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so we've got two that agree it's in the top ten, one that's ambivalent, and one, Steve, you're not really... I'm kind of either way. Yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, in fairness, looking at what's left, there's, there's five left, and in theory, two spots left for the top ten. And of the of the five that are left, there's one that I want to see in the top ten, and the other one I think, based on what's left, would actually be the spy who loved me. So I wouldn't have looking at what looking at where we are mm-hmm. now, I wouldn't actually have a problem with. Spy Who Loved Me being top 10. Right, okay, well let's colour it green just now, lock it into the top 10 and let's see how it goes. It could change if we all agree that actually two other films definitely need to be in there. When I look at that list, there's only one film that makes the top 10 but it's been contentiously spoken about earlier so it's a bit of an argument. Well, there's only one more you can put in the top 10. Yeah, but I'm not not looking at and seeing two films that I would fight for over any other film that like to take out one again like On Her Majesty's or something like that. Like There is only one film now that I feel should be in the top 10 anyway and thankfully yes we only have one slot so that works out uh, is it, what letter does it start with uh that would just give that away yeah who, 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 who mentioned who who, cho- who chose the spy was that steve or who was it uh spy who loved me was me yeah so gordon you want to nominate a film to discuss yeah can I put one in the top 10 well if you could you can try <laughs> <laughs> I think Love and Light Die is a top 10. Yes. I I disagree, unfortunately. I think I might be outnumbered on this one. Do do you know the thing is, though? Right. I would have agreed with you, Steve. Uh If we hadn't put Goldfinger in the top 10. Right, okay. I think by the fact that Goldfinger's made it to the top 10, despite what's in that, I think Love and Light Die would make it as well. I, I see that argument. For me, there's just more egregious stuff multiplied that that kind of... I don't think it's more egregious. Well, not I think it's, I think it's more okay. of it. Yes, that that's, that's what I meant. I meant, let's change what I meant then. I, I meant that there's more of it. There's more issues yeah, I have. Yeah, you made me spit out my drink there. I know, <laughs> I'm not... Shed of pepper is worse than... No, what I'm saying is the things that there's... There's a good list of things that irritate me about Living Let Die that nominate, that kick it out of a top ten. Out. I think, unfortunately, the the inclusion of Sheriff Pepper in that such a huge scene where he dominates the screen, I think, is that's probably the biggest detractor of the whole film. Yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate. I I watched, I actually rewatched Living Like That a couple of days ago. It's the most recent one I've rewatched, and I timed the Sheriff Pepper scene at about twelve and a half minutes, yeah. which yeah. is utterly. I mean, it's it's. Utterly, it's such a huge chunk that could be taken out, which is such a shame because actually, I love the rest of this film. I love how this film sounds. Yeah. I love that kind of seventies Harlem soul sort of sound they've got going for it. Yep. I love the the plot of this one. I like the kind of odds, um, San Monique Baron Samadhi stuff they've got going on. Yep. The filial soul rest on the Mister Big Kananga stuff. That story. I I. Everything else about it, I love, but I mean, I agree that Sheriff Pepper is the most. Is his inclusion in this one is not obviously as bad as his following uh, outing, but it was it was bad. The minute he appears on screen, you go, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Yeah, 
he's yeah. an irritating character, and what? it's it's just it's a sudden tonal change for me. It's it's like you're watching a different movie all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. I feel like there's a conversation to be had between two films. Can we cut or not cut? But like lock in into the top ten. Moonraker and A View to a Kill are they both films that wouldn't make it into the top ten anyway? Yes. I feel like Sky, I, Skyfall is the contentious one here. I feel like for I, me it's Skyfall that gets in as the top ten film. Oh, I agree with you. Uh, I said not I, on that. I agree with the Moonraker and A View to a Kill right. being locked in as middle ten. Yep. If so else is good for that. To agree on that, Gordon, do you agree that Moonraker makes it into the middle ten? I do. Right. Fran, are you the same? Yep. I'd have the same for a beauty I kill as well. I, yep. Fra- uh, Gordon? Yep, I'd go along with that. Right, so it does come down to Live and Let Die and Skyfall. Who would have thought those two films would be... Okay, okay. Now, I was convinced that Skyfall was going to get put in the bottom ten, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to team up with Stephen Barry. <laughs> wow, a bit of a, <laughs> a heel Tag turn team. there from Fran. Uh, switching sides. Uh, live and Let Die. I still love it, but I, I, I love Skyfall more. I, I really enjoy Skyfall and I think that it's got more going for it as a as a film. And less problematic stuff as well. Definitely. Oh, it wins hands down on that. But I, I think of pacing and things like that. I also think, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. See all that stuff you mentioned, Steve? You're right. There's, there's a lot going for Living Let Die. Like the sound, especially that theme song, the score, generally all that. And the villains. Yep. Great. Brilliant. Uh, but there is a, I feel like there's a pacing problem in that film. I feel like it's quite a bit of a, it's a slow film. That midsection really takes, uh, slows it down for me. That the boat chase you can, I won't, you know, Steve already mentioned that. But um, there's something about it. Maybe it's atmosphere stuff. So maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I'm judging it a little harshly. They're setting a kind of, you know, Harlem. They're kind of setting you up. They're, and Bond's doing some spy work, I suppose. Uh, maybe. Um, but there's a, I don't know, Skyfall for me is a, is a nice, all kind of encompassing film. It's got, it's got a kind of gritty tone. It's got a wee bit of humor. It's got some style. It's got action. Um, and it's got an arc, you know, a kind of nothing on the, on the sort of love story of a marriage of matches or anything like that. But there is an arc there. And I think that's maybe why it sways it for me. But, you know, uh, Gordon, what's your thoughts here i know you're not a fan of skyfall so you're obviously a live and let die man here i'm a james bond fan i'm a fan of all films. oh yeah i mean i don't when i say that <laughs> yeah, when, I, when i say you're not a fan i mean as a, yeah, a I in comparison i don't mean to take Skyfall. yeah if we're if we're looking at the two of them together right um feel like in live and let die bond acts like a detective and acts like a spy for a lot of that and i don't think he really does that so much in skyfall and live and let die you get the whole thing of him like going to the voodoo shop spying in the pimp mobile um, he goes out with Coral Jr. in the boat to San Monique. Um, he sneaks in to Mr. Big's hideaway in the middle of the night on a hand glider. It's, it's just got style as well. I don't, I struggle to, to think of scenes in Skyfall where he really, really properly acts like a spy. And it's, again, you've got that whole thing in Skyfall when he, he shows up at Silver's base. It's similar to what he does in Spectre. Him and, I think it's him and Severine. It's just like they just show up at the front door. What are they doing? Hmm. Hmm. There's a, I think I mentioned you've get, like I said, I mean, Skyfall suffers from superhuman stunts, and I think see, but um, I mean, if we talk about, because I know I have enough to say about Raul Silva, I think Karanga's really good. Um, I think I know, the, the, yeah, the death, nah. Yeah, I well, mean, you can let, 
I was just going to say his his uh, his death is not good. I'd like to know <laughs> what was the actual reason that Kananga kept a shark. Yeah. Was there a rational reason for it? And the fact they kept a shark in a cave underground, it doesn't really just make a lot of sense. It's like it's, I think his lair's sort of contrived. It's as, there, it's as though it's there. It doesn't really, I think, it doesn't look like the best set. And it's as though it's there, just so Bond. He keeps the shark just so there can be a situation that Bond and Solitaire can fall in and get eaten by it. So... Yeah, I guess um, point, yeah. you could say just to be to be fair, I think Raul Silva's laid in that island is there's a kind of edginess. Although I hate the way Bond arrives there, I think though there's a it's sort of condemned building is it gives it a bit of an aura. I suppose there's a danger about Silva, so you know, I don't know. I th- I feel um, living like die as well. I think the two main problems I think were Kananga's death and Pepper's. Appearance. I think it suffered also from Q not being in the film, oh, yeah, and I think I Skyfall benefited because I think it was a good introduction to Ben Wishaw's Q. But overall, what it comes down to would be, I just feel in like die. If you look at the spectrum of not only chief villain but henchman as well, which Skyfall doesn't have, I think you've got especially T E. I think is great, um, sort of smirk. Henchman, um, Baron Samady, I had a lot to say about before, obviously. I think David Henson's Felix Leiter's really good. You feel the chemistry between him and Bond. I like the, the fact Bond's, again, he's working with the CIA. And, like, I mean, top, top music, great score by George Martin. Um, there's a danger that you, the use of the Love and Light Die theme and it almost became the new Bond theme as well. Great use of the Bond theme. You know, it's it's probably the best. I think I said before, the best non-John Barry James Bond score. I think, um, and it's not an over the... Skyfall, similarly, neither of them have a kind of over-the-top plot. They're both within the realms of reality. So I've kind of given a few... <laughs> mistakenly given a few compliments to Skyfall there, but I think I think Living Light Die is just more memorable for me. Ah, uh, fair play. Um, Don't give up, Steve. No, I know, I know. It, it's tough, man. This is this is the the fight, isn't it? And we're we not can even... beat them. We can beat them. Well, we. You can... I mean, if if we struggle, we could always kind of try and compromise and put them at eleven and ten, well, and but then that's... kind of set them there. Because oh. I mean, it's I'm I'm struggling badly because Skyfall is an all round solid Bond film, admittedly, but Living Let Die, I just enjoy. So it's so hard for me to put Skyfall above that. I just think Skyfall has less problems than Live and Let Die. Oh, I'll admit it's got agree. less problems. I agree with that completely. But despite that, it's almost like a sort of, not quite a sort of naughty uh, sort of enjoyment type thing. But I, I like I said, I, I watched, I rewatched Live and Let Die and I enjoyed it. And I mean, I, I'm the first to admit that it's less, that it's far more problematic, but it hasn't taken away from my enjoyment of it. There's nothing, to me anyway, outright offensive. I feel the, the, the closest you've got is obviously the the Bond solitaire relationship and the way that she was tricked, which I mean I will admit is um, yeah, yeah. about as problematic probably as that as I think that film gets. But the enjoyment level just kind of isn't. I mean I, I keep saying that and then bringing in things like Sergeant, uh, like a uh, Sheriff Pepper, which again brings it back. <laughs> I'm, I'm pushing myself forward and then pulling myself back again. Yeah, um, that's, the, but... that's the thing. I mean, Skyfall, though, um, I mean, it's it, I, I do feel Skyfall, in a way, was an attempt to, as a, a love letter to the Bond fandom. 
um, for the anniversary and, and uh, as well. I feel like there was there was there was some nice references in there for your longtime Bond fans. Great musical cues, the fact that they had the old car there, and you know there was there was things that were a bit kind of daft maybe, but that I I really loved all of that. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I like that sort use, of thing. I think with the use of the the Aston Martin. There's having a throwback, but I think that that was overused in Skyfall to his detriment. That's Although the, really the cinematography, yeah, I, mean, I think I, the cinematography was great. Obviously, the the shots of it going through Glencoe is very and, iconic, but and, yeah, it's not overused. But be, bear in mind though, as well, um, you had uh, the the end of M in Skyfall, yeah. which was incredibly notable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. The notable thing about both Live and Let Die and Skyfall guys is that the 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 scenes involving the MI six characters are very well mostly strong apart from maybe like the courtroom in Skyfall, but I think like um great introduction to the new Q. I is I like Mallory as a character and the way he goes in an arc. And also if we then look at Live and Let Die, there's there's an incredible scene where you've got unfortunately Q's not in the film, but to open the film after the title sequence in Bond's house, which is quite rare to have Money Penny and M visiting him, there's just great chemistry between those three characters, and that that was assuring the audience right away what Roger Moore was made of as Bond. Some great quips. I love the light. I particularly love the line when um, M shows up at the door and like looks at Bond through the the side of the door, and and he and then he comes in and Bond says insomnia, sir, and he goes instructions that is you know it's there's it's these little things yeah that, you I, know that there's it's a long great scene that i think in bond's house I, I, I don't really enjoy that one for some reason i don't know if it's, really? it's partly because i think she that girl that he was trying to hide away and that he'd clearly been sleeping with that was the agent it was i looked about 16 or 17 but um i just there's something about it i don't know maybe it was because it was a little too silly. They would all come to his house. What all of them? Like what? Money Penny as well? Would they all? I did wonder why Money Penny was there. Yeah, you're setting you're right. You're, you're saying it's setting the Modern Moore Bond up. This is the the humor coming in. The, the sort yeah. of co- comedies of Bond, and I did describe the the next two films uh, as they're they are comedies essentially, uh, spy comedies, in a way. Um, the Bond film was ever get. Um. I, I just I, that scene I, I don't get that that kind of to me that chemistry it doesn't quite it's not quite there I, it's just it's another scene with them in it I, I don't know doesn't work for me as well I think as well though you could equally although Mr. Bigger Kananga's not get a, a great death scene I don't think Silva's particularly great cause I, I think I recall is it Bond either Bond or one of the other characters I think stabs or throws a knife at Silva. It's like it's a bit kind of straightforward death, but no, he gets he gets up and he he acts as if he's like, oh, this is so inconvenient. I've been stabbed, and then he kind of moans about it a bit. I find that quite funny. Well, that yeah, that is like, actually. Oh, I, mean, I can't believe you've done yeah. this. Well, that's a, yeah, that's maybe a fair point because the you want. I think the psychotic Bondons have to have that edge, and like it's like not accepting things happening to him. That's why I didn't like and. Spectre when uh, when Blofeld's going down the helicopter and he looks as if he's panicking. Do you know what I mean? They're they're supposed to they're supposed to be like I suppose what Silva's like there or like when Zorin laughs at himself falling off the Golden Gate Bridge. So I mean there, there is things to like about about Silva and there's things to like about Skyfall, but I, I to me is 
I guess we've all just got our own take. And to me, it's it's an edgy film, but it's not it's not quite memorable. I just don't kind of get what the hype is about it. Mm, I don't know. Fun. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I really do think though. I, I mean, I'm I'm coming from a position of choosing between two films I really do like. You know, so it's not like I'm criticizing. It's just that there's for me, there's there's two things. There's the thing I've said already, which is. If I was sitting down with somebody to watch Bond with them, I'd pick Skyfall out of these two. And the other thing as well is that Live and Let Die does have more issues with it, I think. A number of different issues. That if I was to get if I was to sit down and someone said to me, Which one do you like more out of Live and Let Die or Skyfall? It would be Skyfall. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, I mean it's just it's just as simple as that. And it's not you know, I don't think I think they're objective truths. I don't think Anybody can deny that Skyfall's a better made movie. I don't think anybody can deny that it's shot better. I don't think anybody can deny that it benefits from decades of cinema advancement. You I know? think that's based purely on its time and the fact that it was yeah. in the yeah. late sort of twenty tens and Living Let Die was obviously in the nineteen seventies. So yeah. that's yeah. that's almost kind of unavoidable. Because yeah. um, it's such a I'm in the, I'm kind of on the flip side. If I wanted to if I want someone to have some fun, I would put on Live and Let Die, and I think explain my way through some of the scenes that are problematic, and <laughs> rather rather than put on Skyfall and go, well, yeah, it's yeah, this is this is kind of how a Bond film's done. It's solid because I've I've got the feeling that they come away from Skyfall going, oh yeah, it's all right. And also, you do, oh. as was mentioned, because it's the the sort of celebrating the history almost of Bond. You do need a little bit of prior knowledge to get the bits that we're all saying were fantastic. The throwbacks, the um, the kind of history about it, the going right back to to Bond's youth and stuff like that. Well, I, I mean, I have to say, I mean, my, when I went to see Skyfall, um, I went with my girlfriend at the time, and then she then started watching the other Bond movies because of it. Well, I mean, it's obviously a that's that's an example, certainly. Um, and yeah, because she was to... cute. You know, it was one of those things where it was like a gateway film for a lot of people. I felt. Who, who maybe hadn't watched it before and they all went. It was massively well received in America, which was quite un- not unusual, but, you know, of late, Bond films didn't do so well in the States, you know, um, where Skyfall really broke through that. Mm. Yeah. I don't I don't think, I think also the, I'm not sure I really buy into all the humour in Skyfall. I think Living Like Dies has just got some killer one-liners. You know, I feel, I feel like we're at war here. I feel like, <laughs> I don't like, want it to sound like that. I just, I'm just no, this is good stuff. This is good. No, come no, on, let's yeah. keep it, keep it, it going. Good. It is good, though, because it's like, I, I feel like, like, I, 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 it just depends on who's going to last the longest because I can say now I'm never going to give up. Well, I'm never going to stop. Let's not, that's not, don't, <laughs> see, that's going to be, yeah. I think we're going to have to yeah. establish some kind of compromise, which yeah. is, I think, why I'm suggesting having. Because these are obviously the two contentious ones, have them kind of straddling the <laughs> the middle and top tens. So having them at eleven and I ten. I don't know why that would be laugh, but just the idea of like a combination of characters from Living Like Die and Skyfall kind of hanging about together. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, but the thing is though, that could really skew the list because Skyfall and Living Like Die might not naturally fall there. Well, I mean, I think they're they're proving to because we're we're struggling so hard to put them into each list it's difficult to because we 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 i think two is is two and two quite strongly split i don't think there's going to be yeah. a, a natural conclusion to it so I, there, I don't know if there's another it's kind of it's the best 
way out of this that I think I can see. Yeah, and also, Fran, you were actually, until I said support for Skyfall, you were going to force Love and Let Die into the top 10. Yeah, but bear in mind, that's because I thought Skyfall was going to be dumped. So right. we were looking at other films that I didn't like as much as Live and Let Die, do you know what I mean? Right. So it changed the ballpark, it changed the whole everything. Right. The whole game changed because it was like, right, okay, so the the film that's left is what I like more than Live and Let Die now, which was a bit okay. of a shock to right. me. Right, okay. Um, but it's created a great debate. Yeah, yeah. this, is, if, <laughs> this if, is fun. If Skyfall <laughs> was put, I would, I would accept Skyfall at 10 and Live and Let Die at 11. So Skyfall in the top 10 above Live and Let Die. But kind of in that order, almost to show yeah. how close this was as a discussion between the four of us. Gordon, what do you think on that? I mean, it's, I mean, te- there's like a hair's breadth between ten and eleven, isn't there? So I can, yeah. I could go along with that. I mean, I can, yeah, I've got to. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to be objective and acknowledge the, so, the good points of these films, the people's different perspective, and. Um, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, Sky, Skyfall to me is like a lower ranked one, but if we're looking as a collective, then yeah, maybe, maybe so. Okay. Skyfall 10, Living Like Die 11. Yeah, I was about to say, if we colour it green, it's locked in at 10 and it can progress no higher, then uh, we'll make that that agreement there, I feel. Uh, I'm, I'm with that. Right. Okay. So we've got 10, and then by de facto, number 11 is Living Let Die um, on the. On the agreement, I suppose. Uh, oh, my God, we've done it. Well, no, we've we've got films grouped into <laughs> two. We now need to number them. This is where the real arguments probably happen. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, right, so now it's the films in red, which we have to number. Uh, you want to just... Okay. So, Can I put Thunderball at number... 20... Well, be 20, because it's 20. 20, 20 yeah. Uh, I disagree. Thunderball just missed my top 10, so I wouldn't easily accept that. Uh, right, let me just quickly create a page for... Well, okay, keep it going here, right? So, uh, number 11. Are you t- oh, hang on, why don't you just count them down from, like... No, but you're doing it a weird uh, way. Yeah, 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 you're right. Aye, sorry. I didn't realise. Right, okay. <laughs> just do, like, 20 <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you idiot! <laughs> yeah, well, well. So yeah, it's down that way. We'll keep it going, right? So we've already got one locked in. Live and Let Die is number eleven. So there's nine more to try and find a place for in this list. You're trying to get Thunderball there. I disagree. I would fight higher for Thunderball, and I suspect Gordon will too. Um, considering it's what your third favorite in the franchise. Uh, so no, I, I just said it would be in the top. Yeah, I think it's possibly my. I don't want to give away too much, but it might even be higher than number three right, in my, but, but own, my, my own mind. It's in your top ten, though, in the sense that it, oh, yeah, you, so, wouldn't, you wouldn't accept it being put number 20 on this list. No, I mean, I, I surrendered Thunderbolt to allow it to not be in the top ten. Yeah. So I think I would fight for it to be high in yeah, this. Same. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Right, like, I, I'm going to get a feeling on the room here. The ones that I feel are the lowest are the ones that we kind of were a bit more susceptible to put on quickly so i feel that the world is not enough is getting dropped i I feel it's in the mid but i think with steve really was pushing it for the 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 worst four i think it really it might almost be 20 Um, yeah i would i would agree right gordon how do you feel on that because i mean i i I would have it higher but reading the room i think it, it looks like it's going there um unless i would i would have for your eyes only worse than it i don't know how md else feels but 
I disagree with that. I think there's a lot of great things about Few Eyes Only. I think I think Few Eyes Only and The World's Not Enough are a good time bond and, and just real entertainment, but I think there's more plot holes in in The World's Not Enough. I think Few Eyes Only is it's more rooted in the real spy world. You've got like for example, uh, what sets the entire film up is a a spy ship disguised as a fishing boat. You've got like Bond making contact with a you know, an MI6 colleague over in Italy, and the guy, like, leaves a message in the, the, the steamed-up bathroom mirror. So all this stuff that's, like, rooted in the real spy world. Now, I love the I love the kind of double agent. Although Chris Statos isn't the most memorable villain, I love the fact that he's a double agent and the fact that it flips the roles of Columbo and Chris Statos. Columbo, like I've said before, is a great ally. I think Melina um, is often look, overlooked as a... I think Melina Havelock is a a really good Bond girl. I think that it's the vengeance, the fact that she has her own weapon, the crossbow, and she's kind of at odds with Bond because Bond wants to kind of let MI6 deal with the situation, but she's out for vengeance because you've not really had that with one of the female leads in, in these films up to that point, I don't think. Right. So, so, so basically the world is not enough then would be... Yeah, so you, you, would, not, you would So I don't think... Is anyone not willing to accept that I, if I was to push for... For your eyes only, it's not going to be number twenty. It, it, the world is not enough. Is 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 there? Yeah, am I getting that sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know obviously Steve's got quite strong feelings with the world's not enough. So I think I think number twenty is a I think is a convenient slot. So so I th- I reckon right. We know right. See if we go back up to the list again. Just going to fill in a couple of these. Right. Okay. Yep. Right. Um, so th- so we know, for instance, that. Um, Say Spectre is better than Quantum of Solace, right? But I reckon Quantum uh, of Solace would I, be quite good at. I, I dis. I think Quantum is better than Spectre. I I would actually so fight for Spectre being low on this. Uh, okay. I feel. Um, like just, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so sorry. For some reason, that Spectre and Skyfall mixed up in my mind. Um. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh. Yeah. I would. I, Spectre. Yeah. I. I would. I would say Spectre is a good fit for nineteen. Uh, that was going to be my 19 suggestion because I obviously had that as my other one for the bottom four. So I just want to get, because I obviously feel For Your Eyes Only at some point has to go in this low, lowest. Where do we feel For Your Eyes Only fits? Where do you guys... I would say more like towards 15. Really? As high as that? I, I mean, I find it... I think, yeah, I agree with Van there, yeah. Because I, I, be- I think it's a better film than Moonraker. I think it's a uh-huh. better film than A View to a Kill. Yep. Um, I think it's better than those two... Daniel Craig films you mentioned as well. Uh, I mean, I, I struggle to really remember For Your Eyes Only, and I've seen it about three times. I also See, I'm, 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 I'm quite ambivalent towards it, but I also know what it's not as bad as. Do you know what I mean? For me, if that I makes think Moonraker's flawed, but I still have a fun time with Moonraker. Like, I really I, enjoy it. Yeah. I think, though, that's part of the strength of For Your Eyes Only. As much as I love Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only was... Um, what it did at, if you look at its role at the time was um, to to literally bring Bond back down to earth and to remind us that he's a, he can also be a serious spy and that he, they maybe thought they went too far with bringing Bond into space. They did and I will say here's what I, I've said a few times, I think there's a great, it's what I feel about Batman right, so Batman 
there's an argument about who's the best Batman, all that kind of stuff. The thing about the character of Batman is that there's a, a scope for different types. There's the Lego, there's comedy, there's the 1960s. I love the the campness and the sort of fun silliness of those ones. And then there's the gritty stuff on all the Nolan, right? And you can apply some of that to Bond. The scope of the character and the ways in different but actors have interpreted them the different directors have interpreted that you can have different types you can have um the parody of what bond like moonraker films like moonraker spy who loved me did and austin powers copied it because they were so outlandish that's that to me doesn't it, it's a, an, a part of the character that it doesn't have to be just because it's not like uh, is grounded is for your eyes only that it, it loses oh, points he, for it. And, we... and there is a lot of spy work in Moonraker remember I think that was one of the yeah, points you yeah. made Gordon the first half of that film there's a lot of different kind of spy stuff in it it's only the really outlandish towards the end and obviously the general yeah. plot itself the first... I think we're getting to the stage though where we can't. We need to focus on the one that we're putting in though right, okay. I mean so I, I, I do now, think we've got I mean, we're for getting me, closer I, my argument is that for your eyes it's really low in my list because I just find it I, I just don't, don't enjoy that, it as much. It's it's fine, like. It, but it didn't offend me as much as Spectre did. That's that's the way I'm working on this. Spectre irritated me because of the whole Blofeld thing, and I don't feel For Your Eyes only offended me the same way. In fact, in this weird way, less memorable films would do better in my list because than than ones that annoyed me. Does that make sense? Kind that's of. the side I actually take as well. Yeah. Okay. So All like. Right. I, but like I, th- I reckon, like the fact that me and McCall have both thought nineteen is a very specific. Pl- so is this? Thing. Is that, are, we, are we all agreeing that Spectre goes here then? Well, me and Steve oh, McCall. Yeah, do. I, I'm obviously just. I mean, I'm just trying to get sense. Gordon, where do you, is, are you? Are you with the this sentiment then that Spectre would fit number nineteen? Well, I don't feel strong enough about Spectre to keep it out of there. Really, you know, uh, right. I, I okay. agree with a lot of the points. Yeah, I think. Um, but didn't you oh, want I... Spectre in the low, the, the lowest ones anyway? So I mean, I I I have Spectre somewhere like maybe seventeen or something. So I'm not like too yeah. precious about it in the sense that I have it above. Well, I have it also above Octopussy. Um, but I know that's not what? gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, I, you, the arguments you guys have made have kind of made me realise maybe I'm a bit harsh on Octopussy. I need to lighten up a bit on that one. Um, so maybe that's maybe like not that can be well. well obviously, it's going to be higher up anyway. So, the world is not enough. Um, number twenty nineteen Spectre. Are you going to delete them from the list up there what, as we put them on, just uh, so that yeah, it's easier true. to see? Yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You can do. Yeah. I mean, after Spectre, then like I feel like it kind of gets to the area of like a beauty a kill next. Uh, I enjoy the, the villain. I mean, that Christopher Walken performance again. I'm I keep coming back to For Your Eyes Only. I feel like A View to a Kill is a much more in, entertaining film than For Your Eyes Only. The stunts yes. are great in For Your Eyes Only, and I then struggle with maybe the end, the climbing up the 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 cliffside, the mountain. That was kind of cool. Again, stunt work really. I feel like that's its main strength, and it's not enough for me to to get it higher than this. Well, maybe maybe this would be the natural place for Quantum of Solace then, because I feel like a beauty I kill was more exciting than Quantum of Solace. Yeah, but wait, but I mean, I would argue even higher for Quantum of Solace. I found Quantum of Solace quite a fast paced thrill ride that had a wee bit of the continuity from Casino Royale that I enjoyed. And that... yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking of Christopher Walken and how you know. I mean, but then I mean, I, I reckon Quantum of Solace and a Beauty Kill would be similar. Like I'm thinking they would be beside each other wherever they end up. Do you know what I mean? But like I can kind of see like a Beauty Kill, Quantum of Solace, and then for for your eyes only, basically that would be like the next 
group grouping, but wherever they sit, I'm not 100% sure. I'd put a view to a kill a little higher, because yeah. of those three that you just mentioned, I think it was most enjoyable. Christopher Walken, outstanding. Well, maybe you would have For Your Eyes Only next, then? It's for me, definitely. <laughs> but I've obviously yeah, been pushing for it, but um, I that, just... I don't have a problem with that particularly. That works. That would work for... I think that would work for me. For uh, Your Eyes, the Quantum. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, because uh, to me, like that, we're getting to like phases of the list. Do you know what I mean? Like this is the ones that are a little cluster. Do you know what I mean? But then it's working out like what one's better than the others. Do you know what I mean? In that wee group. Gordon, do you would you have for your eyes only? I would definitely have it above quantum. I I find it far more exciting than quantum. Far more thrilling. I think there's there's better characters, and I mean, for your eyes only, has got BB Dal. I mean, it's got not... Yeah, but is she, is she really that terrible, though? I mean, I know uh, she's yeah, kind of young for a bond, but... she's just doesn't really feel like it, she fits in the film. I just think that... Um, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I just... I just yeah. Um, right. I mean, I do, I do feel like For Your Eyes Only is further away from Live and Let Die than Quantum is, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like... So, yeah, you're saying, sorry, Quantum is the one that should drop in to here? No, no, I'm saying, like, I can naturally see... Like, let's imagine, like, Live and Let Die. Oh, like, number 11, right, yeah. So uh, saying, yeah. I feel like For Your Eyes Only is further away from that than Quantum is. Do you know what I mean? Like, Aye. I feel like For Your Eyes Only... Although, For Your Eyes Only and A View to a Kill, you know, you could have A View to a Kill there and then for your eyes only and then quantum do you know what i mean and it gives for your eyes only that little bump if, do you know what i mean if yeah i mean i i personally definitely feel a view to a kill is a more fun film than for your eyes only uh a great villain and henchman uh and maybe and and just generally uh you know that final third with the, the 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 sort of blimp and things like that i just i think that was quite a it wasn't. It was formulaic. Today, obviously, it's kind of a template of the Goldfinger plot, but it did something fun with it, and I like that kind of eighty score. As you know, the sort of John Barry score. I mean, if the who agrees that for you, your eyes only would be the next one in the list. I it is me definitely. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. And I, I'm I, I could go I could go with it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not I've not got a problem with that. For your eyes only score is the worst of the Bobby did vote it as the worst of the franchise and it, it maybe that also plays into my enjoyment of the film I don't know but uh, it's Gordon is obviously you're the one that feels it's definitely higher um, yeah there's more there's more real stunts stunts that were done for real in Three Eyes Only and when I think of Quantum of Sauce first of all there's not enough memorable scenes in it but there's a there's bad CGI involving I think Bond and Camille take control of a plane at one point and I just find that quite far fetched and unrealistic. And then for your eyes only you, there's a very iconic and memorable scene which was just so profound for Roger Moore with not only him kicking Locke off the cliff in the car, which was so kind of uncharacteristic of his Bond, but Bond like kind of dressed all in black, standing, legs opened out, pointing his wolfer straight at the car doesn't give a shit that the cars come to her. That was like a kind of classic Bond moment for me. Is kind of underplayed as you might think or low key as that is. I think that you know it's things like that. It's it's when you get into little things. This this is a thing that separates these sort of films. And 
I just think there's a, there's an overemphasis in action and in in, uh, in quantum source, and it's often unexplained action as well. I think everything that happens, I think for your eyes only has more of a he's of story and everything that happens happens for a reason it all makes sense yeah but quantum has a cohesive story and the, the the grander narrative though and the thing is as well that if we're going to talk about unrealistic stuff then moonraker would be blown out of the water i mean you get space lasers and space stations and god knows what going on there uh, you know, I, mean? I was talking <clears throat> i was i was talking more about the actual like individual action sequences not the overall plot being unrealistic but i think though as well um if we're, si- I'm pretty. Sh- what was I going to say about quantum? Actually, um, is this? I'll, I'll yeah. come. I'll come back to. Oh, was it? To, was it to do with the? Um, was it to do with the fact? Because I was saying that Quantum of Solace is a better film when you watch it in the the four film thing, because you can see how it fits into the story, the, lo- the larger storyline. Well, that's true, friend. I'm pretty sure that um, we all agreed when we reviewed Quantum that we couldn't all make total sense of the plot, whereas I don't think we had that problem with your eyes only. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely... Um, if it's between these two films, I would still... There's there's a few films in between. that I've got Quantum higher up on this. Um I know it's it's for your eyes only is definitely the lowest of these, and then then it'd be Moonraker, even though I really enjoy Moonraker. But well, that's, uh, that's the thing. I, th- I think that you know there comes a point where we have to look at the room for our own sanity because you could you could talk about this for hours and yeah. hours, two films for hours and hours and hours. There comes a point where like there's a general feel that most of us will have. Sometimes it will be Gordon, you you two. Sometimes it will be me and the two Steve. Sometimes it will be me and Gordon and Steve. Do you know what I mean? There'll be yeah. a cluster of us who agree on something and then we, we slot it probably and then it's almost like Red Dwarf it's like we're the four guys and we've got different alliances at different times like based yeah. on what film it is because yeah. um, like there's some films I told that Gordon for instance there's some films I 100% agree with you on and then there's other ones maybe I'm agreeing more with Stephen Barry do you know what I mean like yeah on well, what's being said it's interesting yeah definitely so on that basis then is For Your Eyes only going to get the uh, number 18 slot then are you Steve? Do you agree with that, or are you want? I no, I I would actually agree with that. Looking at my own personal rankings, Quantum comes higher than uh, I even forget the name of For Your Eyes Only. So yeah, I think I mean it sounds like we could put in pretty quick succession For Your Eyes Only, Quantum of Solace, A View to a Kill. Am I reading the room right? Or although right? although I would say maybe Moonraker. Next, I, I would say Moonraker. I mean, I obviously have Octopus, but I've accepted that Octopus is going to be higher up because I know the rest of you much uh-huh. prefer it. So well, I mean, I, I, I would, it's, I would it's, say it's, it would be Moon. Oh, wait, take for your eyes only out just now. Does anyone consider Quantum Solace a particularly fun film? Well, it's like yeah, well, a film. It, like it's it's different. Like yeah. it's uh, it is gritty. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost like more of a yeah. It's more of that kind of Christopher Nolan era Bond. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. I kind of like... It's also short. It doesn't um, demand too much of your, your time, which I is one of the things I like about a film. If it's, uh, you know, not too... doesn't waste its kind of thing that's welcome. So, so. I think I think Moonraker would be next, then Quantum, and then A View to a Kill, because A View to a Kill is more fun than Quantum, uh, more enjoyable. I could get on board with that, actually. That's pretty much my feelings. Uh, that so, would be the so, Moonraker. So, Steve, you obviously are you you prefer Quantum 
and what was the other one you were pitching for? Well, I think I was looking at A View to Kill, but I actually hadn't considered Moonraker in this sort of context. And what Moonraker does, I think, bumps it lower down the the overall list. Just for example, what they did with with Jaws, you know, taking yeah. what was a really good henchman and turning into turning him into a comedy character. They took the piss a little bit with Moonraker, which is unfortunate. There are scenes in there that are kind of unnecessarily stupidly comedic. So I wouldn't have a problem with Moonraker going in at this spot. Yeah. That is a point. Okay. So Gordon, what about Moonraker then? Do you feel that Moonraker would be seventeen? No. I I think I'm gonna go with Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, we've dear. we've not mentioned that. We've not mentioned that for a while. Now this <laughs> is uh <laughs> this is unless I miss some here. So Brosnan's second film, for me, his second best, actually, but I just... Steve McCall, my... Um, you, you mentioned, obviously, there's a few detractors about Tomorrow Never Dies, which I, I agree with a lot of that. I think I've more, I've more fun with Moonraker, and the humour is great in Moonraker, better than Tomorrow Never Dies. There's some amazing one-liners again from Rog, I think. And I, although it you know, Jaws is not menacing the way it was in Spy Who Me. I think Drax is a top villain, whereas Alec Carver isn't quite a top villain. I think that slightly more incredible stunts in Moonraker, you've got a John... Oh, God. Actually, I suppose say you've got a John Barry score, but then you've got an incredible David Arnold score in Tomorrow Never Dies, but... Yeah, well, that's I think the, that's the thing. I, I would have put Tomorrow Never Dies higher than Quantum of Solace. Uh, same. I think... I made my top ten. It's, yeah, it's really high for me. I, I, I'm surprised at that because going into this project, I suspected that was a very mid-tier to low bond for me. And I actually haven't rewatched it. I've, there's a, there's a lot of things I like about it. I do think it definitely suffers, and it doesn't even compare in comparison to Goldeneye. But it's a I just I, I just can't see Tomorrow Never Dies being below Moonraker. No, I just can't. Absolutely not. I forgot about Quantum. <laughs> I'm gonna go for Quantum of Source the next one. But, but I don't know if I can do that because I already argued that. Uh, be we don't have that. to. We don't have to do the whole like you pick a film and then stick to it. Like this is just a discussion to see to shuffle these. So it's just ch- ch- chipping. Well, the, the general idea was that Moonraker would be next, then um, a beauty a kill. I would. Do, I would no, accept quantum. No, sorry, Moonraker next, then uh, quantum, after. then uh, a beauty a kill. Yeah, uh huh. And then tomorrow never dies. Maybe. Uh, well, we can get to that because I, I I feel like at that point I would maybe argue for Octopussy, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, I, so Moonraker and Quantum are kind of the the two we're we're arguing about here. I think is that right, Steve? What do you feel on on these two? It's amazing how my I mean I'm looking at the sort of middle ten that I compiled before we came on the call, and it's now my opinions are kind of all over the place. I think from here on in, at the moment, I've got Quantum over Moonraker. Um, as in higher, yeah, higher. Yeah, than so like quantum, yeah. quantum higher than Moonraker, but Moonraker was fun. Um, but I, th- I think I'm still what I've got in my head is the the way they kind of took the piss with it. Yeah. But again, Quantum Solace is a bit joyless. It's gritty, and I do. I mean, I I I do obviously like the grittier Bonds. Obviously, my preference for Dalton suggests that. Mm. Um, and I think looking at my rankings, I've ranked the uh, grittier Bond films a little higher than the sillier ones. Yeah. 
but I mean, it's it's a kind of I suppose it's a in this situation coming between those two, it would come down to individual mood. If I was in a sillier, fun mood, I'd go for Moonraker. If I wanted to kind of chill out and watch something a bit more serious, I'd go for Quantum. So between the two, it's I I can't actually separate them. I don't think yeah. I I won't have a I don't think I would complain. I don't have a strong preference. I think they're probably in the right position, seventeen and sixteen. Moonraker, Moonraker annoyed you more though with the, the Jaws thing. That element annoys me, yes, but it's otherwise quite a fun. Film. And I was taken right as well because obviously Moonraker, you've got the shots in uh, Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, um, and on the I can't remember the name of the river, but the the one with the riverboat chase. Mm-hmm. Um, Moonraker had some fantastic. That's the one, yes. Moonraker had some fantastic location stuff. The thing is, though, I just found Moonraker to be. Just see the bit where they go to space. No, I just thought, oh my god, what is going on here? I just, it just got a bit, you know. And then that whole love story with Jaws and that girl. I, I just, I just can't take Moonraker seriously. I just can't. I mean, neither I think can I. That, but that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm with um, Steve McConnell because I think, yeah, you've sometimes you've got to admire the just the charm Moonraker has in that way. I think, I, I think with Jaws and the girl, it's going too far. But then again, it's like Bond goes into space. Not just he goes into space. I mean, he goes into space on a whim. There was no end plan for Bond to go into space at all, or Goodhead to go into space. But they just do it on a whim. But that to me, that's the fun. The way that Bond and Chang try and no, sorry, the way that Drax and Chang try to kill Bond in such elaborate ways. That is the fun of Moonraker. And as well, it's not just you've got silly stuff, but you've got a you've got a dark and edgy John Barry score. You've got uh, just Drax. I mean, we should rank Drax number one villain. He's just, um, I think he's great. I think that there's maybe, um, I just I agree with Steve that I just can't really have a lot of fun with, with Quantum. I think you need to have the gritty Bond films, but there's only so much that you can take. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just need to return to the fact, like, what Bond films am I most likely to put on? And, and like, Quantum of Solace is just kind of so near the bottom of the pile. For me, ah, this is another tough one. The Moonraker versus Quantum debate. <laughs> the, the more I use to keep Quantum out, I'm just going to keep bouncing back like a boomerang, just like get into wherever the next slot is. Yeah. I, the, the thing with, I have a, a weak spot on Quantum and I have only watched it once. I haven't had the chance to revisit it yet. So it is on that first watch. But that first watch was uh, a pleasant surprise considering I had set my expectations so low based on the sort of perception of the film, the sort of public perception of the film, critic perception of the film, that it's quite a a non-essential, flawed film. And so watching it, I was like, it is only flawed on the basic that you compare it to Casino Royale and what that did for the franchise. Yeah, it doesn't meet that. It definitely doesn't. But it, it is... Um, a solid action film and a solid gritty action film. One of the the most violent films. It kind of feels more adult. It feels um, it's got a ten, it's got an intensity straight from the off. Well, see if we're see if we're going to put. Sorry, sorry to pure. No, jump essentially, in, that was my point. That one well, to end on those two. These two films probably just couldn't be any more different. That's the funny thing about this. They're literally well, the opposite ends of the spectrum here. Well, if we're going to put Quantum next, then Moonraker's coming after it. Oh, I definitely agree on that. But are we um, are we accepting then that Quantum is the? Would you say, Steve, then that you're on the Quantum side yeah, of this debate? I think Quantum then, and as in Quantum. It, 17 and Moonraker at 16 I could I, th- I think that's probably the right decision okay Fran 
I think we'll have to concede on this one. I think Quantum is... Uh, well, we've actually not had that bad of a defeat because it's only one place, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, don't so, see this as a defeat. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I'm just fascinated by how... So Moon- As you go through it, suddenly you're pairing films together and talking about them in groups that you never usually would. I know, the idea yeah, of pairing uh... Quantum and Moonraker is hilarious. I love this. This is what yeah, I love uh... about it. <laughs> yeah. they literally can I, can I just sense. pause for... Uh, sorry, a quick toilet break. Yeah, of course. I'm going to end yeah, this recording so that it doesn't go on too long and I can just do a fresh one, so I'll, I'll yeah, do Yeah, good idea. Uh, Moonraker, Gordon, are you away? I just, are we definitely confirming Moonraker's number 16 then? I think that's the way it was going, yeah. Right, okay. Getting there. We're getting there. I think, um, I think I've you. I think I've you. In fact, oh, well, let me just stop this recording. Um, I kind of feel like a, a view to a kill is next up. But, I, I, but only because... I I don't think I'm going to convince you of Octopussy. Like it, it, I, I for me it would be Octopussy. I, I think I prefer a View to a Kill over Octopussy. But then again, maybe not. Maybe Octopussy is the one that I prefer. See, I think for me Thunderball's coming next. But yeah. I've got a tough to move Thunderball. I, I think I'd have to battle Gordon. <laughs> 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 it's like lining up my I don't know, Pokemon battle or something like that. <laughs> Bring out your Charizard to fight him for this one. <laughs> I, I can actually see it being Octopus... I can see it being, sorry, a beauty I kill Octopussy, Thunderball, then Tomorrow Never Dies. As in, Tomorrow Never Dies is the 12th well. film. Yeah. I mean, I Ooh, would accept I... that based on the fact that I had it in my top 10, but... Uh... See, I had... Because I had Octopus in my top 10, I think I'm going to be fighting that case yeah. with white cards, yep. but it's Fair all about the concessions now. Yeah. That's four films. Um... I can see a view to a kill being the one that no one is like gonna hold as precious as the other three. Like I feel like Thunderball, Octopus, and Tomorrow Never Dies, we're all kind of like feel like we're in the corner for them. But a view yeah. to a kill's kind of like like it's just out, it's almost in that position. It is going to be lower than I've ranked it, but I'm accepting that it's it's more or less in that position actually. Ah, oh, this is fun. Good stuff. Let's see. So, Diamonds, Dino Day, you'll have twice. Man of the Golden Gun. Oh, is not enough. This is looking like quite a respectable list, I think. Like, this is kind of like, I wonder where these films would sit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I th- it's actually making, looking at it, it's despite us all having massive opinions, I think we're all looking at this list so far and going, actually, yeah, I, I completely agree with it. Yeah. Yeah, everything's kind of in its right place. Right, uh, four films to try and find a slot. Uh, I was saying, I don't know if I was recording that there, but I feel like A View to a Kill is the natural one to fall into the next slot. Do we agree? I don't think I do on this one. On you, that don't, one. You, you don't agree? You'd rather see something I, else? I think Thunderball comes next and then A View to a Kill. Do you know, actually, I'm going to throw my, <laughs> throw, throw my lot in with Steve McCall here. Okay. Because... Thinking back to how I was about Thunderball, you know, I liked the view tech a lot more. So I'll actually, I'm going to team up with Steve McCall. Boom. Same team. Okay, Gordon, I uh, take it you're obviously more in the Thunderball camp for this one? Yeah, of course, because I mean, yeah, Thunderball's always going to rank the top of this list anyway for me. So 
it's no, not even a question really. I, I do like a view to killing it again. It's escape is fun. They're both escape is fun. I think though there's a better um, female lead in Thunderball because we, we all had obviously thought Stacey Sutton wasn't really the best. I think tremendous villain though. I think I mean I think the likes of Zorin is a stronger villain than Largo. Yeah. It's different because Largo was a Spectre agent and Zorin's just like the head of his own organisation. Mind you, I suppose he did work for the KGB before, but um, there's a huge scene that it lasts, and because it's a big scene, it's a big detractor for me in the view to kill the fire truck chase is daft and just completely superfluous. And I think um, it's maybe like you've got like there's certain things that like the, the, the latter part of the film, not secure, like I don't see how Bond could hang on to the mooring ropes of Zorin's airship for that long. It's like almost just so they could set up the fight in the Golden Gate Bridge, which actually that was like a tremendous final battle though. So the, it's like View to Kill fluctuates a lot with me. I think um, Sir Godfrey Tibbet's a great ally, so that's another plus. I love Bond acting like a spy early in the film. And I think Maydee's a great... I guess she's kind of an ally as well because she flips, obviously. And there's a, there's you get real there's real tension between Bond and Mary. I think that was maybe helped because there was real tension between Grace Jones and Roger Moore. So there's a lot going for a view to kill. Honestly, I, I say, um, you sound like you're uh, making the argument for them. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, that, that, the idea is like uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm kidding. On. Like uh, I know, no, I'm aware. I'm kind of doing that. But the idea is for me to while I'm mentioning negatives, also to mention positives because yeah. every film has got its positives. I don't want to sound like I'm being overly negative, but I think there's uh, like I said, for me, I'm not going to say too much about Thunderbolts said a lot before but it's just a very complete Bond film to me and it's, there's very few flaws you know character wise I, 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 I feel like you have to you have to um, uh, you owe me and McCall because of Quantum <laughs> I don't, that, don't <laughs> think that argument's going to work I'm afraid is that, no. is that part of the I, think so. that must be part of the, the, the capiche um, wasn't like our constitution that you have to just you owe, if you owe someone one you just need to yeah <laughs> oh dear I don't think so uh... listen as I said and I don't know if the recording picked it all up obviously why I think Thunderball's a very complete film why it ticks practically every box so I'm you know I don't know if you want me to repeat myself but um, I just yeah um, yeah it's I think Thunderball has some real flaws. I would argue that I can see what the other guys would say in terms of there is a pacing issue with Thunderball at times. There's some editing issues, and there's also the where it has dated, as in the the sort of beginning section with the nurse has aged poorly. That is not much worse than the Goldfinger scene. In fact, that's in some ways even worse. Like he, um, kind of essentially blackmails her in a way and to sleep with them and she's trying to fight it off and she, she says no but he just kind of lets it happen yeah, he kind I of gropes yeah. and assaults her like a, a serious kind of like real sexual assault stuff going on like that is real poor uh and um, that's right after she saved his life as well hang on well uh yeah I think, yeah am i getting the film because right? he was on yeah he was on yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Stopped it, yeah, because she didn't have to stop the thing. Is because it looked as though she was kind of in league with Ken Lippy. But yeah, I mean that is a very that's a a scene that 
you know, is is very wrong in the grand scheme of things. But again, I just think I look at things with how many pluses to how many minuses, and it's not the longest scene in the world. I know it's very wrong the way it's done, but I just think there's too much good things in Thunderball. To me, Thunderball like Goldeneye is a greatest hits of Bond. See, I don't know. Like, I feel like, like to me, if it was Thunderball, then a View to a Killer, then Octopussy on the list. Like, I feel like Octopussy's almost like that for me. Like, from the the that particular, you know, well, it's not all, uh, just an era of Bond to me. Like, when I look back in time and I look at a film, I think, oh, Octopussy. Like, it, it just, it, it it's fun. It's you know, it, it's 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 a bit madcap, but not too crazy. Um. Whereas I just feel like Thunderball, it's got that slight bitter taste to it. Now I didn't bring, I didn't bring up the nurse thing because I thought I've gone on about this stuff too much, but or maybe not too much, and with the other stuff. But I just didn't, I just wasn't really a fan of it. Like I, I mean, I, I fell asleep watching it for heaven's sake. I mean, yeah, you know. Whereas a beauty, I kill an octopusy. I mean, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, you know, I, I could, uh, you know. I mean, a Viewtech Hill had its problems as well, but yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to go by pluses and minuses, then I, I don't think I'm not. None of us are saying that Thunderball is a shit movie and that Octopussy and a Beauty Hill are great movies. It's just that Thunderball is slightly less enjoyable than Octopussy and a Beauty Hill. That's all it is. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm coming round to that. I maybe, maybe I'm, I'm taking points away from a Beauty Hill when I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, and I do really love Christopher Walken as a villain, as opposed to Largo as a bit... He's okay. He's serviceable. He's fine. Yeah. He's got an eye patch. You've got... But, like, you know, it's... Because you've got Zorin, but you've also... But then again, you've got the cop with the moustache who should never have been in the film, and then you've got Stacey Sutton, you know? So there's... To me, there's, there's a couple of characters that really, you know, detract from the film... Right, but the the thing is, they're memorable. And yeah, I don't, I, but I don't think I wouldn't say Stacey Sutton is. I think she's the, just bit she's memorable bland. for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a detractor, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. But like, you know, it's still it's not something I remember, and I think, oh, that's put me right off that. Do you know what I mean? It, it, what's the old saying? It's better to be memorable than not. In some ways, like, I mean, a thunderball for me would have been way, way lower than this. So I've kind of conceded quite a bit by having it not like I haven't made an issue of it too much do you know what I mean but I feel like Thunderball you know I, I wouldn't put it above Octopussy if you take a kill and tomorrow never dies I just wouldn't I'm starting to come around to maybe dropping it lower than I had it uh, I had it as the outsider of my top 10 um, it was actually lower but then it went back up again when I reshuffled my list um, I think it was mainly to do with the sort of uh, Connery, um, a sense of kind of dread in the film that the sort of shark scene, Fiona Volpe is quite an a, a interesting, and it is the first time they had a sort of femme fatale type character. And also, I love the music. I just think John Barry's score in this film is sublime, and it makes those underwater sequences really, um, uh, kind of mysterious, and it, it, it kind of adds a sort of something to it that it, it would not have had uh, it, yeah and it's only it's, when you watch kind of dreamy yeah when you watch 
like the same plot, right? Never seen ever again has that. I think it was maybe after watching that I realized how easy it is to fuck up a story and how yeah. bad it is when you think about casting, when you think about um music and action and all these things that Thunderball actually had that Never Seen Ever Again didn't. The gulf between those films is insane. And I think that made my me appreciate Thunderball more and what it did for the franchise. Um, despite the things I don't like about it. And I, I do think it is a drop from even Goldfinger and, and the other two before it. Uh, You've got to remember as well, Alex, I said earlier how I think the, the plot in Thunderball with the, the nuclear bombs getting stolen and Branson demands there hadn't been one like that up till that point. But in View to Kill, as much as I like it, you're, they're kind of... Um, going along similar lines to Goldfinger with the plot there. So it's no less original in a way. And it also makes no sense, as Fran pointed out, in the plot debates discussion that they, they're gonna he's gonna destroy the, the, the sort of main buyers or whatever of the microchips essentially. It kind of fucks up his own plan up. I think was that wasn't that what came, we that came out of that? Yeah. Um right. Um I think we'll have to I'm coming round to Thunderball dropping and I'm conceding. I know that Gordon, that's not going to fly with you because you feel strongly on it. Um, are we not going to find a middle ground on Octopus then? I take it or a view to a kill. Um, I mean, we get to the stage where I think uh, concessions are absolutely doable. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm willing to su- su- give us uh, concede on Thunderball, but I don't know how Gordon you'd feel about that. I think I'll, I'll kind of call time in Thunderball because I've said quite a lot about it. So I'll, I'll I'll put it in this position, but I'll put it with the asterisk next to it to say my, in my own personal list, it would be right up there. And uh, like a, before I forget, because I don't think I've reiterated that, I'd love you guys to do a sort of your own lists and I'd love them. I'll, I'm going to do mine. Uh, I'm going to do it for a few categories. I've been meaning to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm going to put them up on the... On the uh, the website so it'd be great to to see what everyone else's um sort of just a wee blurb on each film or whatever don't have to be a lot of info just to see what you guys would have put for your own personal list just to put that out there uh if you want yeah you don't have to yeah i'm uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that, yeah. yeah definitely right thunderball then number 15 and i think now it's a view to a kill i think at this point it's a view to a kill what right? did the uh... Yeah, I'm thinking along the lines of Tomorrow Never Dies again. Did we not finalise Tomorrow Never Dies? Am I getting mixed up now? Because we did talk about it, but... We finalised Live and Let Die. Um, yeah. Live and Let we... Die is number 11, yep. So we've got three yeah. spots left for Tomorrow Never Dies, Octopussy and A View to a Kill. Um, Steve, Steve and Fran are strong on Octopussy and possibly you as well, Gordon. So it looks like it's going to be up there as maybe 12 or 13... I'm I, I'm the one that's fighting for Tomorrow Never Dies, but am I the only one? Uh, is it going to be... So my, my current thinking for 14, 13, 12 is A View to a Kill, Tomorrow Never Dies, Octopussy. I don't know how the rest of the room is thinking of the last three slots. For me... I, I would... Yeah, maybe go along. Is that the three we've got left? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would happily go along with that, yeah. So, Fran, what's your thoughts on this three? I think Franz disappeared. Oh. That is odd. Is it worth giving him a call or? Skype has gone haywire trying to get back into it. 
Uh, right. Um, so just to reiterate, Steve, you're hypothesizing that a view to a kill is the next one, which I, I, well, I agree with on the basis that I just don't think I can win the octopusy argument. Uh, it's, for me, it would be octopusy at that point, but I'm going to accept that it's not happening. So it'd be a view to a kill. Tomorrow never dies, octopusy. You both, you guys agree that would be the, the order of these three? That's my thinking, yeah. Right, yeah. so essentially we'll see what Fran says. It looks like that could be... I think he was saying that a view to a kill would be next, so it's likely that's where it's going to go. And then it's between Octopussy, Tomorrow Never Dies, and I'm likely to be conceding on that. Okay, thanks fucking God one, for that. One reason that, see, like the top ten, one reason that there'll be a bit of a time saver of that is we're just going to be kind of talking positions, really, because we'll remember last two have had to decide which go into each tier. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So at, exactly. least at least we've got, like, we've already established what the 10 will be. Yep, right. So, so what is it? So, Fran, I mean, it... while you were um, disconnected there, Steve had kind of suggested uh, the next one to get put down as a view to a kill, followed by Tomorrow Never Dies, then Octopussy. And, I sus- and Gordon has agreed with that. I suspect you probably agree on the basis that you do prefer Octopussy over these other two. Is that correct? I mean, I, I, yeah, 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 I do. I mean, really, tomorrow about eyes and octopusy could have could could have occupied ah. either of those two spots for me. Do you know what I mean, but, um, for me, tomorrow never dies is the strongest out of those three. I prefer tomorrow never dies over the over both over the three. I mean, I, I, envis- I envisaged it as being a beauty, a kill, octopusy, and then tomorrow never dies. Okay, so I you think would, it's about. I sorry, Steve. To... I was about to say, I think it's maybe about time you told us what you enjoy about Tomorrow Never Dies because I, I don't, I don't know if we've really had that discussion. Yeah, of course. Uh, for me, I, I can add that there's things I enjoy as well. Just I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. I love Waylin. I think she is fantastic. I love the the slow built chemistry between the two. Um, and it's not got any sleaziness to it. It's just a well paced action film. As much as the plot is a li- is obviously on the farcical side, a little thin, Carver is not great. Henchmen are not brilliant. Stamper is Apart okay. Apart from Kaufman. Kaufman is an interesting yeah. character and there's some good stuff there. Um, I, think I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. And I, I think that... I just, and the fact that Stamper and Kaufman, like Stamper wanted revenge for Carver, for Kaufman. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I tickled you so much that this big giant meathead guy, like, was friends and his mentor was this wee dorky Kaufman guy. I mean, it's so bizarre. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. So for me, uh, <laughs> Gupta is a bit of a non-entity. They didn't really do a lot with him, but, um, and, you know, it's, I, I just, really enjoy it as an action film it's fun it's fun and kind of it's got a thrilling and, and frantic and all these yeah. kind of things and it it's yeah it's the action scenes are tremendous i think they're brilliant they in some ways even surpass some of goldeneye stuff uh and it's i always come back to that motorbike scene and yeah i like films where you know where the difference between world war three stun and not stun is one man and he's so nonchalant about it bond he's he's not only gonna try and uh, stop bad things from happening but he's gonna do it in style you know he's gonna sleep with carver's wife he's gonna have the best drink along the way he's gonna you know have a few laughs with Wei Lin. 
you know what I mean? There's it's like he's got that swagger of Goldfinger in a lot of ways. And also Brosnan, he sort of mentioned that he wanted a bit more drama in the next film, a bit more. Well, not yeah, drama in the sense of the relationship between the the woman and um, with Carver's wife. You did feel that there was a history there. Obviously, they they do reference it, and. I like that. It gives a wee bit of tension between their scenes. And he looks pissed that moment when he's sitting in the hotel room waiting for someone to arrive and he's just sitting drinking his whiskey or whatever. Yeah. He just looks yeah, pissed off. And you haven't you haven't seen Broston's Bond like that. He didn't really get like that in Goldeneye as much. Um and I just kind of like that. So to me, it's little things like that. It's a little side of the, the, the Bond character that they brought out in that film, which is looked at by a lot of people as just a kind of an action film that doesn't do a lot. You know, it doesn't, it's not so memorable and things, but oh. the stuff I like about it. You know, Steve, I'm glad I asked you about because I'm actually starting to warm a bit to tomorrow never dies with the points you've made there. And just things are coming back to me because, like I said, I really like the time. The st- I love the fact the stakes are so high, really, prevent World War Three, and the, the fact that Bond is the man who has to make the difference. And I do like the, the interplay between, I mentioned earlier, the, the Admiralty, they want, they want military action straight away. I, I love, I even love when um, M and MI6 use the word investigation, because I like the idea of Bond just sending this one man, this spy out there. And I actually quite like the I quite like the the role of Carver's wife. I think there's a danger there. The you kinda I find out of the see when you have an ally that, that dies, it's quite a, it's a very kind of sad death. Like her story is very sad. Mm-hmm. Which kind of adds it really adds to the drama. Yeah, me. I think they they do their best with that, and I think it works. Um, it, it's a, it's kind of a well worn type thing to do that, but it it was also in nineteen eighty seven where these things were wasn't you know we, we've seen if it ha- if it happens now it's like oh another kind of that, but it it wasn't so bad then, and and yeah it, it worked it sh- it did emphasize Carver's brutality and. Well, it also emphasised her, um, like that she was going out on a limb, mm-hmm. like she chose to do that, even though she knew what was going to happen. Yeah, like she gives the information off, and Bond actually tries to stop her and say, "You don't need to do that." But she's no, here's this, here's to tell. She tells him things, pumped her for information as the uh, as the reference at the beginning of the film. But that's uh, uh, that's why it edges uh, 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 edges octopus. I think we all agree that a view to a kill is actually the one that's getting slotted in first, though. Yeah. That, so yeah. a view to a kill next. Yeah. Octopus saying in tomorrow never dies. The conversation be... is between tomorrow never dies and octopus. Is right. So. Uh, Do it as well. Can I just quickly mention um, what's his name Kaufman? Because when he was brought him up again, do you not love the way that he's not only and there to kill Bond, but he feels the need to introduce himself to Bond. Yeah, he's that's yeah. part of it. Is that part? Is that part of the charm of him? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he's he's moaning about the way things are, I was like, oh, for goodness sake, on the phone <laughs> and all that. I thought he was great. I'm awfully sorry yeah. about this. Like he's got manners. Yeah, he's he got does. like I, he's I, a code of conduct that you only have one scene, one scene, and he's established quite well. Like it's comical, but it's on the, right on the line of like too silly and sort of that sort of stuff and I like it and that film it fits because there is a light heartedness that was brought in with that film 
where it maybe in ways doesn't work as much as Goldeneye, but that is the, the sort of way they were going. Uh, did you remember? Did you call the Auto Club? <laughs> yeah, we got to put Octopus here. Like, Tomorrow Never Dies has to be the, the, the top one out of three, if only for Kaufman. So, Steve, we... yeah, I agree. I'm gonna, but Steve, I'm... you were wanting Octopus, so I want to, to hear what you I was, to so I, I think I'm going to concede. I mean, there is actually, in fairness, there's a lot I like about Tomorrow Never Dies. I do agree. I really like Wei Lin. I love the, the, the power play between those two. The motorbike chase is the one that always sticks out in my head. Um, which, I mean, it's lucky that it's there because on top, on the flip side of that, you've got the remote control BMW scene. Yeah. Which, yeah. again, kind of detracts from that. But the, the scenes with Wei Lin, they end up in uh, a stunning-looking Vietnam. Yep. Which is actually Thailand. Um, <laughs> it's, it is a tricky because I do love Octopussy, but I think I, I could be... I could be swayed. I mean, what I mean, what's always in the back of my head, as I pointed out consistently, is the plot to Tomorrow Never Dies and the way it all works out. And Carver himself, I don't particularly like, but I can be swayed on this one. So I don't have a problem with Octopus and then Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, if you're I will, sure. I will I mean, correct it all in my own personal. As we say, yep, you can vent uh, there. Those fuckers. I will tell you all why you're wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, okay. We have our middle 10. It's also in the Capiche Constitution. We welcome positive um, feedback, constructive criticism, but apart from if you mention Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said How it. Did the, How did I get into the Constitution? I don't remember. Because I drugged <laughs> well, it. Well, it's laminated now. So I was about to say it's the, <laughs> it's the Constitution we didn't actually sign, but it was there was a template there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Gordon, for mentioning it. Uh, that's uh, some money towards towards your uh, extra pay there, your re-bonus there for that. Oh, um, yeah, I'll have that in ring. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, we have reached the end of this podcast where we debate the middle section of our Bond list. I'm going to run through that now. So, number 11, Live and Let Die. Number 12, Tomorrow Never Dies. Number 13, Octopussy. Number 14, A View to a Kill. Number 15, Thunderball. Number 16, Moonraker. Number 17, Quantum of Solace. Number 18, For Your Eyes Only. Number 19, Spectre. Number 20, The World Is Not Enough. The previous films in the bottom run were 21, The Man with the Golden Gun. 22, You Only Live Twice. 23, Dying All Day. And the final film, Diamonds Are Forever, 24. Right, I won't keep this podcast going any longer. This has been fa- fantastic. A real power of debate we've had in this. this is... I cannot believe we've managed that. I am so impressed with us, by the yeah. way. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, it's been good, it's been good fun. Uh, some, al- some alliances, some betrayals, all that. <laughs> That's quite funny. It's very like Red Dwarf. Yeah. Um, where flip-flopping uh, allegiances on based on a comment or something, you know? Uh-huh. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, and based on what someone picks or what someone puts up next, and you're like, hmm, if I choose to ally here, then I might be able to get my next, you know, <laughs> and get uh, next I, I think we've we've all been to the Alex Trevelyan School of Betrayal. It's like um, <laughs> Double Agent 101. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, thank you very much. We will return, of course, for the final podcast, the top 10 ranking episode. Join us for that one. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>